Mark Zuckerberg has often stated that Facebook's big mission is to create a world where we are all connected. But while it may have gone a long way towards breaking down the technological barriers that presents, the cultural and societal differences in different regions of the world remain very much intact. I think in a lot of ways, social networks are a reflection of the culture in that country or in that society. You have, I think, countries that when you're working, you're working, and when you're playing, you're playing. And, um, and mixing the two together doesn't happen as often as it does, I would say, in North America and society there, as well as in Asia. Michael Marquardt is a global business advisor who has spent the last 25 years living and travelling throughout Europe, Asia and America. He has a cultural understanding of the world that very few can claim, and he's seen the development of digital technology from a truly global perspective. The digital world is one world. They're using different tools, different platforms, but we're all connected digitally. Around educational content, that is increasingly becoming global. You know, you have MIT and other great universities that have made their lectures available free online. That's being accessed by people from Australia to Malaysia to, to Germany. But I do think the world is becoming smaller by virtue of growing together digitally. In today's show, Michael and I discuss how different cultures view social media and the internet, how social networks differ around the world, and what the future of global social media might be. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Where are you recording from today, Michael? I'm recording from St. Petersburg, Florida in the United States. Okay, so that's not one of your many homes, is it? I don't think. Is that right? No, it is. It is one of your homes. Okay. (laughs) Um, The the reason I ask is because um, you and I have talked quite extensively in the past about how you consider yourself to be a digital citizen. So, you, you know, you've got a background in many different areas of the world, a lot of cultural awareness in, in Asia and Europe particularly. Do you just want to talk about what your background is and how you came to have this broad sort of global view? Sure, Paul. Well, I, I, I grew up in Berlin, Germany, when the city was still divided. And um, I was there the night the Berlin Wall fell and then emigrated to the United States. Um, when I was 20 years old, and basically made my career in the U.S. You know, over the ensuing years. Um, the one um, interesting sort of side note is that for much of that time, I've been engaged in business in Malaysia and Indonesia and Singapore. So I spent a lot of time out that way. So you know, some people say that well, you know, grew up in Europe, has been living in the U.S. and um, working in Asia for the last 20 years. So um, that's kind of what has been informing a lot of my. Um, a lot of my thinking around digital media and and I've, I've seen how those societies in Europe and the United States and in Asia have sort of adopted and leapfrogged um, from a digital perspective over the last 20 years. Yeah. And, and do you have somewhere that you consider to be home? I mean, is it in America or or I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, I, I do consider myself um, most at home in the United States. But, you know, the whole concept of home is an interesting one. I mean, it's it's so much easier now to, um, you know, feel at home in more than one place. Um, I, yeah. I used to think, I used to think, Paul, like 20 years ago, home was the place where I was reading the hometown newspaper. Um, and, um, <laughs> and, and, and nowadays, 
you know, you can read the South China Morning Post or the Straits Times from Singapore or the Tagesspiegel from Germany, you know, yeah. any, day, any day of the week on your iPad or your laptop or your iPhone or whatever device you're using. And so the concept of home and staying in touch with people is um, has really changed. And I mean, this has given your background and where you've lived and worked over the last 25, 30 years has given you this big knowledge of global culture, the way different companies and organizations work in different countries and how they relate to each other. How did your experience with digital grow and how has that sort of grown with this this experience that you've got? Well, I came to the United States, Paul, right before the internet exploded in um, you know in ninety five, ninety six, when the browser yeah. was introduced, and and I remember at the time, I mean, this was literally when there were thirty or forty websites. I mean, imagine that. All right. This is before there was even Yahoo that had, you know published a directory of websites. Um, I remember talking to people um, in Europe, and I mean, it was a completely lost cause to try to explain to them. You know, when I came home to see my parents, explain to them about the internet, and they thought it was some newfangled computer thing that you know really nobody <laughs> was ever going to use. And um, they said, "Hey, by the way, you know all this computer stuff? Can you fix my printer?" And that was really it. And in Asia, that was a whole different ball game because you had a situation where um, most of those countries, I mean, aside from Japan and Korea and Australia, really were still developing. Computers were not in use in, in almost any business when I first went out there. The way that's come about, actually, over that time is very interesting. I mean, obviously, you were there at the start of that. And then further down the line, obviously, social media came on board. Now, you, you work on different boards, several boards around the world for different organizations. Mm -hmm. What have you observed about the way different cultures sort of think about social media, their attitudes towards it? It's a, it's a great question, Paul. I, I think in a lot of ways, social networks are a reflection um, in each country. They're a reflection of, of the culture in that country or in that society. Okay. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, early on, I talked to a lot of folks in Germany, you know, my, my original home country, and they couldn't at all understand what Facebook was all about. Right. And one of the things that they were particularly, I think, um, surprised by was that Americans would mix up their friendships between their work friends and their personal friends. Right. And that is something that in the United States, you know, you go into work and and a lot of people, I mean, they don't divide between, well, that's a work friend and that's a, you know, a classmate from, from university or something. Yeah. You're, you're all sort of in one big pot of friends. And so to connect them with each other seemed a completely natural thing for Americans and seemed completely unnatural um, to the Germans that at least I was talking to or grew up with. And I think that, you know, if you look at that sort of even today, there are a lot of people that I know that are, you know, connected with each other on Facebook, but that are, you know, not connected on LinkedIn or they're connected on LinkedIn, but they're not connected on Facebook. In North America and in Asia, I would say that is less the case. And and is that common across areas in, in those regions? I mean, is, is it a kind of Europe and America and then Asia divide? Is that or is that too broad? Well, I definitely would say that it's um, it applies across the um, sort of Western European nations. Yeah, I guess you'd be a better judge if you'd include the UK in that. But but certainly Germany, France, Austria, Italy, Spain, um, Switzerland. I mean, you have you have, I think, countries that when you're working, you're working. And when you're playing, you're playing. Yeah. And uh, 
Um, and mixing the two together doesn't happen as often as it does, I would say, in North America and society there, as well as in Asia. Okay. So when you're talking about business to different people in these different cultures, and there is that, uh, I don't want to say clash, but there's these different sort of behaviors and attitudes towards social media. Does that ever... Does that ever come up in a business context? Do, do people find it strange the way that, I don't know, an American might deal with someone in Asia or does it not get that close? Um, no, it, it, it does. It does come up. I mean, the, the, the fact that I, I remember early on when people first started really using Twitter again, I mean, this is this is some time ago. Yeah. But there were different trajectories where, you know, a lot of people in North America seem to be using it. Some people in Europe seem to be using it, but very few people in Asia seem to be using it. And, and you know, I would go into a business meeting or a board meeting, um, Paul, and, and it might be in Hong Kong or it might be in Paris. And, you know, one of the other board members had just tweeted something out, you know, and probably wasn't American. Yeah. Or, um, you know, maybe posted something on another social network about maybe a, maybe a dinner they had at a restaurant somewhere or maybe, you know, about an experience on an airline. And I remember... Um, that I would go up to them and, you know, having having sort of checked my my social media feeds before going into the board meeting, and I would say, hey, that's quite an experience you had there yesterday. And um, some of the others in the room would say, well, how does he know that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, or, you know, and it might not be a personal thing. It might be something happening at the company. I mean, it might be, um, you know, maybe there was a photo from the 50th anniversary of the of the company or something like that. And and we'd all just arrived in the city and it was like, well, how, how did Michael have this information? And I said, oh, it's online. It's, you know, he mm-hmm. tweeted about it or his company posted it on, um, you know, on Instagram. And um, and uh, definitely it would sometimes early on, people would sort of like, wow, you know, are you spying on him? You know, are you, <laughs> where are you getting this? Do you have human intelligence sources? Do you have somebody in his company? I'm like, no, it's online. And, and I think it's a bit of a, matter around sort of transparency and being comfortable, you know, sharing what's going on um, in your company, in your personal life, and as opposed to sort of packaging it up and then putting it out there in sort of a more controlled environment. In different cultures, there's different levels of comfort around that. And and some of that even can relate to how restrictive the government might be. Um, there might be, you know, countries where you wouldn't want your, your government regulator or your clients to see, you know, some of the things that, that are happening. So I do think in, in many ways, um, America, I mean, without getting into too much of the politics of it, you know, it's a very free country in a lot of ways. And I think people, you know, are very comfortable being very transparent. And um, I think that, you know, if you take Germany, you know, as a, as a counterpoint, it's a country that has had very, very bad experiences around um, privacy and around um, around you know, having state security services that have um, informed on their neighbors and informed on their friends. And, and so sort of like now put out there that where you're going, where you've been, you know, pictures from your vacation. That is something that is, I think most Germans are far less comfortable with. Um, and I would say, again, if you take it across, you know, across to Asia, I think in Asia, you, you have more differences. I mean, it's, it's very hard to say, oh, well, this is what happens in Asia, because there are massive differences between um, you know, mainland China, which which really has its own kind of walled garden internet, you know, behind the um, Great Firewall, and yeah. um, and you have you know India, which is you know a, the world's largest democracy and and has a lot of English speakers, you know, versus Indonesia or the Philippines or Malaysia or Singapore, which are I would say you know about as diverse um, and different from each other as you can get. Okay. 
So with this this global view and experience of, of all these different cultures and the way they use digital and social media that you have, do you find that that gives you a business advantage when it comes to the sort of work that you're doing as opposed to others who who might be on the same boards as you or perhaps are looking to be on the same boards as you? Oh, absolutely, Paul. Um, it, I, I find it provides a really significant advantage because I think that when you're in business negotiations, for example, um, or when you're in strategic planning discussions, it's always incredibly helpful when you can better understand the context of a comment that somebody might be making or when you can understand what might inform um, their decision-making um, or their yeah. attitude or their communication style even. Before social media and frankly, before many of the digital tools that are available today, I would travel to Hong Kong, for example. I would call the hotel where I would be staying um, about 10 days before and I asked them to save me the newspapers from the next 10 days and said, just please have them waiting in my room or give them to me at the reception because I would want to catch up on sort of what's going on locally. Um, and perhaps there might be an article just by chance related to a company that I was meeting with or, or an individual that, that I was going to be interacting with. And it just makes such a difference when you can walk in the room and you can have at your, you know, at your fingertips information that relates to that person or relates to that company um, or relates to that city or that country. And, and it's, it's not the case that all of that information makes it everywhere. Um, so you're not going to read in the New York Times or, you know, or even the Times of London about something that happened in, you know, the outskirts of Kuala Lumpur. And it might be something that has a big impact on, um, you know, why my negotiating partner is acting the way they're acting. And so you don't have to waste time I'm trying to understand that. And, and you also, I think you come across, Paul, as much more interested. You know, put it, put it this way. If somebody were to come to your town where you live to have a business meeting and they have absolutely no idea about where you live, anything about sort of the local surroundings, you know, you can just tell they, they were just sort of dropped, you know, out of the sky and that they don't understand the history, they don't understand, you know, some of the local companies or, or anything like that. And um, versus somebody who comes in and is really familiar and really has, um, you know, has taken some time to research where you are and, 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 and the environment, it makes a big difference. And I think social media, um, again, to the extent that it is fairly authentic and not overly managed, you know, that it's not something that you're just reading press releases or you're just reading information that has been packaged by a person or has been sort of packaged for um, by the company. Um, I think it provides a more unvarnished you know, information on um, that can be very helpful in business. Yeah, you talk about the, some of the, the benefits and the advantages of social media to, to you as a businessman there. And you can glean effectively intelligence from from what's happening on digital and social so that when you go into situations, you're, you're informed and, and you're educated about them. But it must all pro so present challenges to you. And I, and I guess the way I think of that, the way reason I say it is that I'm very aware that all around the world, just because we in the in America and the UK tend to stick to, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, you've got things like Zing, you've got WeChat in China and Asia. It, it must present challenges to you in terms of not only the platforms you kind of need to be on, but what you need to be saying on those and how you present yourself. 
Does that make sense? No, it does. And um, I would say, I mean, just to deal with Xing and LinkedIn for a moment, I mean, I, I think it's it's literally, and, and I could see some people getting mad um, at me in Germany, but I would say Xing, um, you know, came into being because the early version of LinkedIn in the German language just was was really bad. <laughs> Right. And, um, okay. And um, and so some some folks in Germany, um, you know, who are very smart and and um, and kind of on the ball, said, you know, what's going on over there is, is something that again Germans would gravitate toward that really want to connect. There there's some German words like vitamin B, which which means you know, basically ha- having a close connection that can help you out in your career. And so Xing, you know, sadly though is is barely used outside of the german speaking part of the world and and with the world of business becoming smaller and smaller you know it's kind of like the network effect really is lacking in zing yeah and it's interesting there was a study just done um a few weeks ago that um compared the use of linkedin versus zing in german um in large german companies like a daimler or siemens versus some of the smaller companies um, that are the, the smaller Mittelstand companies, maybe with a few hundred or a few thousand employees. And the use of LinkedIn is, is far, far greater at the larger companies um, because they tend to be more global. And of course, it's a lot more fun to be part of a network where the people that you actually interact with are also on it. Yeah, yeah. Now, WeChat is a whole nother matter. You know, again, I would call it sort of the, the, the walled garden model where, where WeChat really started, of course, in mainland China and really grew up behind the Great Firewall. And it really has evolved in a, in a very different way. Um, again, reflecting, I think, mainland Chinese culture and society and, um, and the role that the government plays in that society. Okay. But to your question, Paul, it's interesting because, first of all, if as a Westerner you're on WeChat, um, you really stick out okay. in a positive way, if that's what you or in a negative way, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but there's very few Westerners um, on on WeChat, and obviously they can tell by your name. It's not a Chinese name. Mm-hmm. The, the platform is used quite differently because it's so much more versatile. WeChat really is it's really sort of you know Facebook and and PayPal and um, Amazon and Uber and I mean it's everything rolled into one. It's a very different approach that's that's much more broad than and we have in the West. And um, I, you know, if if you post something on WeChat, I mean, nobody in the West will ever see it, you know, unless they're yeah, yeah. unless they're Chinese, you know, living in New York. But it's 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 definitely the, the platforms all I think reflect a different type of engagement that they're looking for in their culture. Um, not unlike perhaps that that Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and Facebook are very different, you know, in their own ways as well. Yeah, yeah. So. With that in mind, then, how, over the years, over the last sort of five or ten years, have you been given different and maybe conflicting advice on how to use social media for your benefit by different people in different countries or different regions? I, I would say probably the, the biggest thing that, if I were to look back on it, Paul, that was that was not good advice was you know there were a lot of tools early on that were designed supposedly to kind of make it easier for companies or individuals to share across the various platforms. Yep. And so that you would sort of say, well, you know, because people would say, well, who has time for all this, right? I mean, whether you're a company or whether you're an individual, or whether, you know, I happen to be a, a global business advisor, um, aside from some of the boards that I'm serving on. And, you know, who's got time to, you know, tweet something out and then post it on Facebook, put it on LinkedIn, put it on Instagram. And so there were yeah. tools that said, well, you know, just in one shot, you just write what you want to put out there and it automatically goes to all the various platforms. And, you know, and I, and I did that. And, um, and it was years ago until I really realized that 
the audiences and the level of engagement that you're looking for from those various platforms are incredibly different. Yeah. It's definitely a case of one size does not fit all. And that, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, even people that, you know, that love you, I mean, people that really care about you, you know, get tired of seeing the same message on various channels that they may be following you on. Yeah. So I think it's, it's one of these things where you really have to think about what are people looking for from these various platforms? You know, why do they go on them? You know, do they want to hear where you went to dinner in case they want to go to a restaurant in that city? You know, do they want to hear about business challenges you're facing and how you dealt with them? Or do they want to just keep tabs on you? Like, you know, oh, there he's traveling here or traveling there. So I think what you get from the platforms, um, you know, whether you're in the United States, whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Asia, you know, really varies um, with, you know, based on that culture in my experience. Sure. Okay. So when it comes to, you think about uh, the likes of Facebook, particularly in the Western world and all the challenges they have faced over the last 18 months or so around data privacy, um, you know, problems with advertising, all sorts of stuff going on. Does that ever seep through to Asia in terms of either either Facebook or other networks that they use? Do they have the same kind of worries and concerns about social media that perhaps we in the West have? <laughs> Great question, Paul. I, I would say, again, hard to lump all of Asia together, but, but let, me, yeah, yeah. let me just deal with Asia outside China for a moment. I would say largely um, the answer is no. I mean, when you're looking okay. at, when you're looking at one of the largest countries in the world where, where I happen to have a lot of experience, which is Indonesia, it has one of the highest smartphone penetrations in the world. Mm -hmm. And I would say the concept of data privacy and the concept of sort of, um, you know, how there might be abuse of data privacy is one that is really not broadly discussed in society yet. And even if you look at a sophisticated country, much, much smaller country, but very sophisticated, very wealthy country like Singapore, the data privacy protections only became law a few years ago, even around health records. I mean, never mind posting personal information on your social social networks. You know, there have been laws on the books in, in much of Europe and, and North America for decades that make it very, very difficult um, to share health information, even potentially with a you know, with another healthcare provider. In Asia, broadly speaking, the concept of um, why that information needs to be kept private and confidential is not, in my opinion, broadly shared. And, uh, and what that's actually led to, interestingly, I know that's not the topic of this podcast, but, but what that's led to is a fair bit of innovation from entrepreneurs that have, um, you know, that have relocated from Europe and Asia and, um, and that they're doing things like, um, you know, you literally in an Uber-like way, press a button on your phone and you have a physician, you know, that starts examining you using the camera on your phone and, um, and has access to your health records that you just with a push of a button have shared. Well, in, in North America, that would require a lot of signing of forms, privacy releases and other waivers um, so you don't get sued. <laughs> and, um, and that's something that, that in many ways has kind of stalled innovation. Um, in the healthcare um, space, but um, but I think uh, overall um, the concept of, of data privacy and and um, and how information that that is on Facebook might be mined for advertisers, uh, I would say that is something that most people in at least outside mainland China are really not talking about. And of course, within China, that, that is a whole other topic for well, another yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we talk about global 
networks, global social media. It's been around for a while that, you know, Facebook's mission is to connect the world and all this sort of stuff. And I've noticed even talking to you today, and I've probably done it when we've talked in the past, that I'm falling into the trap of referring to Asia in quote marks, whereas clearly Asia is so big and there are differences between, like you say, Indonesia and China and Singapore and everywhere else. But so with that in mind, do you, this is quite a big question. Do you think there is such a thing as global social media? Boy, um, <laughs> not, well, let me put it this way. If, if you're asking, is there a, is there one global social media platform? I mean, just for accuracy's sake, I would say the answer is no, um, yeah. because there really isn't one. But do you think it's possible for us all to be connected globally when things as you've explained them, are still very fragmented? Uh, I, to that, I would say the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it's, it's, it's important. Um, I know this is a podcast and not a, not a video, um, but I, I wish there were a way to sort of show a map. Um, when you, There's this famous map um, of the world that um, you know, has this very small, relatively small circle sort of over um, parts of Asia. Um, and, the, and the caption says that, there are more people that live inside the circle than outside the entire, right? You know, in the rest of the world, yeah, yeah. you have you know four or five billion people um, that are living in a in a very close proximity with one another, and um, and I think that 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 really, in, in many ways, the answer to your question is it's the, the digital world is one you know is one world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're using different tools, different platforms, but we're all connected digitally. And um, I mean, even, you know, from websites to, you know, WhatsApp, we haven't much talked about messaging. And, um, you know, those are tools that everyone is using and, and, um, and they're, they're starting to be used, you know, massively, even in Africa. Right. I think that language is still something that separates us. There are, you know, in, in China, you have very, very small percentage of people that actually speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, a lot of content um, that, um, that just simply is not available to them. But um, I think, um, you know, around educational content um, that is increasingly becoming global. You know, you have MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology and, and, and other um, great universities that have made their lectures available free online. That's being accessed by people from Australia to Malaysia to, to Germany. And, um, and so I think, again, that's, a, that's sort of a whole nother topic. But I do think the world is becoming smaller by virtue of, of um, growing together digitally. Yeah, okay. So one final question for you then, before I let you go get on your next flight. Um, what do you kind of think the future for social media holds from your kind of global perspective? Boy, the future of social media, I think, I think social media is, um, is going to continue to play a larger and larger role in societies around the world. And in many ways, Paul, I think at some point we're going to drop the word social. Yep. Yep. And it's just going to be media mm-hmm. and, um, and it's just going to be networks and sharing and, and, um, and sort of the, the aspect of it being, you know, work versus personal or being American versus European, I think it's going to drop. Yep. I, I do think at some point, I mean, we could take two different routes. I mean, one where the digital world splinters further behind the Chinese firewall or where it actually grows together. I think that's that's one of the big forks in the road in the next in the next sort of 10 years is um, is whether whether that will um, 
you know, become even stronger um, as in the sense that you have sort of two internets. Um, um, And perhaps, you know, that could include Russia, that include, you know, could include include other countries. Um, But my my tendency is to believe that um, the the world will grow closer together um, and um, to the point that it'll really become one digital world as opposed to several, which is what we have now. It'd be interesting to see, actually. It's a different view than I've heard from from other people. But like I said, the the reason I wanted to get you onto this podcast in the first place was because of your global background and your global experience. So it's interesting to hear that from you and, and, and why you think that might happen. Listen, it's been fantastic having you on today. I, I really appreciate you making time for me because I know you're extremely busy. Where can people get hold of you if they would like to talk to you further? Thank you, Paul. It, it was a pleasure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Marquard Global. Um, that's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T Global. Um, or at um, my website, marquardglobal.com. And um, that's pro- those are probably the easiest. And I'm happy to connect with people on LinkedIn as well. Great. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Paul. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered, or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter, where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.